Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. Now you may think, this is an odd reading. I thought we were in 2 Samuel talking about the life of David. And you are correct, we are. And there is a connection to Acts 15. I wanted to explore that today before we move further into 2 Samuel because what is brought up here in Acts 15 is the idea of the tent of David, the booth of David, literally. So let's look at this passage and see what the connection is between 2 Samuel, the story of David, and the church of the New Testament. So we're going to pick up, this is Acts 15, 1 through 21. This is called the Jerusalem Council. And this is a council that's convened between the elders and the leaders, the apostles of the Jerusalem church. They're going to explore some really big questions. The gospel is going out into the Gentile world. And now you have Gentiles coming to Jesus Christ, coming to faith. And so there's a question, what about circumcision? What about the Jewish laws that made them distinct? If you remember, there were things that really set Jews apart from other people. You had kosher dietary food laws. Would you eat kosher? In other words, no barbecue pork. Uh, Circumcision. And then observing certain holy days. So are we going to ask the Gentiles to be baptized into Christ, to accept Christian baptism, but also be circumcised and observe other things that are badges of Judaism? These would be uh, markers of being an ethnic Jew or being an observant Jew. So they're going to take this question up because Paul and Barnabas have gone on their first missionary journey. If you remember back in Acts 13, the church at Antioch commissions them, sends them out. They go, they have a successful mission to the Gentiles, and now they're bringing word back to the Jerusalem church. You're going to hear uh, the words of Peter. You're going to hear James stand up, and James is going to be a leader here and going to talk about a prophecy from way back in the Old Testament that relates back to David. So With all that said, that's the background of what's going on in Acts 15. Let's turn to our passage now. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about the question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, You know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul, as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. 
After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return, I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from that which has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim for him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogue. There's so much going on in this passage that's so fascinating. But you have this group go down from Jerusalem, this party of, of the Judaizers, and they tell Paul and Barnabas, hey, these new believers, they need to accept the laws of Moses too. So it's Jesus plus the laws of Moses. And so they call this council because this is a big question now. This is a turning point in the church. And so the Jerusalem church is going to come together in a collegial manner, and they're going to work through this issue of would the Gentiles accept circumcision or not? This is a big question. So as they come, there's dissension, there's debate. Peter stands up and reminds them. Remember in Acts 10, Peter goes and preaches to Cornelius. And Peter's reminded, okay, what God has made clean, you can't call unclean. So he preaches to the Gentiles, and Peter's not convinced he's going to baptize them. You can tell from the context. And so the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius and his household, and Peter's convinced, okay, the Lord has chosen the Gentiles too. So he allows them to be baptized in water. So there's a learning point here for Peter even that God has accepted these Gentile people. So Peter relates that story and says, remember, I preached the gospel to the Gentiles. So Peter has some clout here. So his speech is going to win the crowd over. And when it talks about the Pharisees in this passage, we're not talking about the Pharisees that don't believe in Jesus. These are Pharisees that are converted to Christ. So yes, they're believers in Jesus, but they're still practicing Phariseeism. So don't let that confuse you. I know in the reading that, that might throw people off that there are Pharisees in this council. Well, these are believing Pharisees, but they believe that it should be Jesus Christ plus the law of Moses. And so this council is going to decide, look, we can't put the yoke of Mosaic law upon these new converts. And they give them some strange lists of things, if you notice. Okay, they write this letter to the Gentiles and say, look, don't eat things sacrificed to idols, you know, don't drink blood, don't eat things that are strangled, and stay away from sexual immorality. And you may think, well, where in the world does that come from? That actually comes from the book of Leviticus chapter 17. You can look at that and see those four specific things. And many people would look at that and say that goes all the way back to Noah, that that was just something that, that Gentiles and Jews alike were considered to abide by, these ideas of Idol worship is bad. Sexual immorality is bad, too. And you get into this thing about blood and, and, and other things, eating things with blood in it, being prohibited to the Gentiles. But the big, the big thing here is living a life of holiness and purity. That's really what God is looking for among the Gentile people. So they are to accept Christ, to be immersed in Christ, but adding things to uh, faith in, in the walk with Jesus is prohibited. This is the Jerusalem Council concludes, okay, this is a really bad idea. We're not going to do this. We can't even keep the law of Moses. Why in the world are we going to make these people keep the law of Moses? But here's the key component, and I don't want to run out of time here, but there's a 
prophecy that goes back to Amos chapter 9. Amos is this uh, prophet writing in the 8th century B.C., about 700 and something years before Jesus came upon the scene. And Israel is in a really bad state um, spiritually. They have wandered away from God. So Amos makes this prophecy. And I want to read to you. This is from Amos chapter 9, uh, verses 8 through 10. And this is the, the prophecy that James is referring to later in chapter 15 of Acts. Listen to what Amos says. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I am commanding, and I will shake the house of Jacob among all the nations as grain is shaken in a sieve, but not a kernel will fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people will die by the sword. Those who say the calamity will not overtake or confront us. So there's this judgment coming, according to Amos. Now we know Assyria is going to come and destroy the northern ten tribes. They're going to be obliterated and, and assimilated into, into the world. But then we know the southern two tribes of Benjamin and Judah will go into Babylonian captivity, but they will return. But they will not truly return from exile. There will still be some spiritual issues that vex them. Let me read on verse 11 of Amos chapter 9. In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins, rebuild it as of days of old. So there's this house that's promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And this house has really turned into a hut is what's happened because of the sin of Israel. But God prophesies that one day the house of David will be reestablished. This tent in some way of David will be rebuilt. So there's really three things going on here in Amos. God will wall up the breaches of the house of David. He will raise it up from its ruins and he will rebuild it as of days of old. So in the Jerusalem council, you have this fulfillment is what James is telling us. Now, as we think about what happens in this story, you've got Paul and Barnabas describing the grace of God saving the Gentiles, and they tell this riveting story. And it's met with approval. And based on the testimony of Peter, you have it buttressed. Okay, God wants the gospel to go to the Gentiles also. So the council decides not to discriminate between believing Jews and believing Gentiles. And there's several factors in Acts 10. In Acts 10, we've got Peter preaches the gospel to the Gentiles. That's probably 10 years before the council at Jerusalem. In Acts 15, we see that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are bestowed upon these Gentile believers just like we saw in Acts chapter 2. So God's not going to distinguish between these two groups because they are both cleansed by faith and by grace. It's ridiculous to require the Gentiles to observe the law. So all this is really important as we look at the fulfillment of this prophecy from the book of Amos. But what's fascinating is how James talks about this prophecy of what they're seeing. Okay, think about what the context is. The gospel going to the Gentiles. The gospel being victorious. In some way, it's a fulfillment of 2 Samuel chapter 7, that God will build a house for David, but also Amos. Amos says, look, it looks like David's house is on the ropes and it's, it's gone, but God's going to reestablish it. He's going to rebuild it. And so we see this. Now, George Ladd has a really good explanation. I want to read that to you about this prophecy and this rebuilding of, of the house of David in Acts 15. He says this, James cites the prophecy of Amos 9, 11 through 12 to prove that Peter's experience with Cornelius 
was the fulfillment of God's purpose to visit the Gentiles and take out of them a people for his name. If therefore it follows that the rebuilding of the dwelling of David, which had resulted in the Gentile mission, must refer to the exaltation and enthronement of Christ upon the heavenly throne of David, and the establishment of the church is the true people of God, the new Israel. Since God had brought Gentiles to faith without the law, there was no need to insist that the Gentiles become Jews to be saved. The important one I wanted to, to note to you guys is what Lad says, and he is dead on. This bringing of the Gentiles into the church, this saving of the Jewish people also, is marking out the new Israel. Now, we got to think for just a minute. Look at the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, you have the 12 followers of Jesus, the 12 apostles. Think of the 12 tribes of Israel. God is reconstituting. He's remaking what it means to be a person of God. The nation of Israel will no longer be by the ethnic 12 tribes of Israel, but it will be those people identified with Jesus, faith in Jesus, connected to Jesus, union with Jesus. These, these are God's new people. And God is building this spiritual house. Think of what the book of 1 Peter and other places talk, talk about, that the church is like this new temple made of these spiritual stones of, of human beings, of us, being built up into this temple of God, God's dwelling place. And Jesus Christ is the Davidic king sitting at the right hand of the Father. So we see all these promises made to David coming to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. This palace, this uh, temple is being built now. It started back 2,000 years ago, and it's being built when people come to faith in Jesus Christ. They're grafted into this spiritual building, this spiritual house. So we are a direct fulfillment of 2 Samuel 7. The church is the fulfillment of that. And that, to me, is mind-blowing, that we go back 3,000 years to this prophecy. We can go back about 2,700 years to the prophecy of Amos, and we see that we're part of this story. The church today is connected to these prophecies of the Old Testament. And I just find that powerful and riveting. So I'm hoping this podcast, I know we, we went a little bit more technical than, than normal, but I hope this connects some dots for you. That here in Acts 15, in the heart of the book of Acts, we have a direct connection to 2 Samuel 7, that that house that God promised David is fulfilled in the church. We are part of this new house of God. Christians, faith in Jesus, have been cleansed by faith. We're part of this story, and that's an amazing story when you think about it. Well, I hope you have a great day. Uh, tomorrow we'll, we'll jump back into Second uh, Samuel. We'll get back into that text and get going, but I thought this would be a good little break to take from Second Samuel and look at a connection of the New Testament and the story of David. God bless. I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.